Welcome to the Smart Firefighting Podcast, part of a special edition series at FRI International in Dallas, Texas, with the Teak's product development team. In this series, we explore a range of innovative technologies that are changing the game at public safety. Stay on the lookout for upcoming events such as Defense to Response and the Under Fire events with Teak's. To stay in touch, please visit teakspdc.com or smartfirefighting.com. We hope you enjoy listening. Thank you for tuning in to the Smart Firefighting Podcast. This is Mike Massarino, and I'm actually sitting down right now at FRI with Randy Jackson from Seacoast Science Incorporated. Uh, Randy just gave an incredible presentation on his product. Uh, we're excited to have him join us on the podcast to tell us a little bit more. Um, so, Randy, what was the problem that you've seen in the industry, and uh, what solution did you were you able to provide here? Okay, so... Um the, the main problem that we've identified is that carbon monoxide poisoning um, can mask hydrogen cyanide poisoning. So um, the symptoms for carbon monoxide poisoning overlap those symptoms for cyanide exposure. Um, and we've known since 1970s and early 80s that um, cyanide is present in uh, smoking smoke for fires. So um, there's, I guess, a lack of um, knowledge of what cyanide can do um, and how it's being misdiagnosed as carbon monoxide poisoning. Um, and so uh, the company I'm working with, and I've been doing this actually since I was in graduate school to develop this instrument, and so it's the cyanalyzer, and it's a medical device for rapid diagnosis of cyanide exposure. And so um, this technology is extremely rapid in the sense that uh, when you take a blood sample and place our cartridge into our instrument from the time you hit start to the time you get a result is 60 seconds and so that's leaps and bounds over the, you know the, the the standards which are clinical tests that you send them out they take two three hours to add to prep, prep the samples and then you get a result another three hours later so um, it's that kind of Thing. It helps with the ability to administer the antidotes immediately versus, you know, no antidote for 24 hours and the person's rehabilitation time is that much longer because they don't know what the cause or what they're suffering from. Yeah, absolutely. And every second counts there. So it's not right. a very large product. This is portable, correct? That's correct. Okay. Um, the idea is the, this, the size of the instrument right now is about the size of a size 8 shoebox. Um, we're actually working to minimize that to make it a little bit smaller footprint, which would be probably the size of a, you know, a, a child's size seven shoebox. So okay. slightly smaller, um, but again, it's it, it'll be used for the idea is pre-hospital settings. Mm -hmm. So out there on site at the rehabilitation, when the firefighters come out of the fire, they can take the smoke inhalation victims to. Um, the rehabilitation area and administer the test as well as look at firefighters who've been in there and potentially um, keep them at a lower risk of being exposed on a chronic level so over time um, with multiple fires throughout their career right and um, you know right now uh, do you have any product in the field right now are there are, are there end users using this so the the technology is actually in the development stage where we are um, finishing up rabbit studies mm -hmm. and we're moving into GLP um, mice studies um, or rat studies. We haven't kind of hammered that one down just yet, um, but we're moving forward so that we can get data to take it to the FDA and say, we have this tool, it works, 
and then this is our proposed study for human trials. And so um, it's looking at phase one, we're looking at potentially doing a trial in the lab, like in the ER, so, so at the hospitals for the initial phase one trial to ensure that it's safe for the people as well as does what it says it's supposed to do. And then moving on to a phase two trial, we would actually maybe like to have um, the firefighters actually in on this where we're testing on site and, and analyzing these people as they come out of the fires because a, a big problem with cyanide exposure is you you lose the cyanide that's present in the blood at 30 minutes or so mm. after exposure and so you have a decline after 30 minutes because of the half-life and so what happens there is is it's now it's being either processed out and metabolized or it's bound to the cells if it's bound to the cells we can't diagnose it we can't analyze that cyanide anymore so it's crucial that you um, test these individuals at the time of exposure or immediately after the time of exposure. So, um, but that's where we're at. We're in the, the research stages to get to clinical trials. Great, fantastic. And from the industry side, you know, what can we be doing to educate, um, you know, more departments uh, on, 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 you know, not only your product, but but what the problem is here and, and the solution that we right. have. And so I think a part of the big problem with with this is is traditionally you've been exposed to smoke it's always been carbon monoxide poisoning and you can test for that real easy with a, a pulse oximeter type instrument right you put it on the finger you have a result you know okay yes co is present however this the the fact that these toxic agents that attack the same part of the body or the same cellular part of the body um, max the the true cause because the symptoms look very very similar and the that overlap is what's what's the issue so if somebody's been smoking they've been in a fire they get the smoke that they've been breathing in and they lose consciousness well guess what cyanide exposure and carbon dioxide exposure do the exact same things so if you test for one but don't test for the other you can treat for one and it won't treat for the other because you do need the antidote for cyanide exposure. Um, so that's one thing that's is knowing the what we're trying to diagnose here. It's like, okay, what are the similarities and what are the differences? And it's hard to see those differences if you don't know what they are. Um, but also it's very difficult in the sense of smoke inhalation. It's like one of the things that people diagnose cyanide exposure on is the smell of bitter almonds or like an almond type smell. But the problem there is, is when you're in a fire, you smell like the fire smoke. Yep. And also there's a potential for people that are present, they can't smell the almond smell. So yep. um, those types of things are very big issues when it comes to diagnosing something, right? So if you can do a blood test, it's better. Absolutely. Right? And in the case of cyanide exposure, you need the immediate diagnosis and the immediate administration of the antidote yep. to prevent long-term or short-term um, cell damage. Great, fantastic. Um, is there anything else uh, that we've missed here you'd like to touch on uh, quickly for our listeners? Um, I think it's to me is the most part. The most important thing is education of this, and then also um, the, trying to figure out the way to disseminate that information across the the entire crowd or the the group of people that we want to impact um, for the better. So. Um, I mean, other than that, it's education and getting the instrument the instrument out, um, just kind of 
um, get everyone interested in it and kind of helping us push for getting it done because being a small business, you have to find grant funding or investors and things like that. So, so getting the, the crowd um, excited about backing this product and, and you know, pushing, uh, helping us push it forward um, and, and opening that, that network is probably the most important thing for ourselves and for the people that we're trying to help. Yeah, absolutely, and we're looking forward to, uh, to pushing some of um, you know your your materials and in educating folks on SmartFirefighting.com. Um, how would people get in touch with you if they have questions, if they want to keep up with what you're working on and, and learn more about this? So um, you can go to SecoScience.com, and you can also email me directly at rjackson at SecoScience.com, and that's the best way. I'm always at the computer trying to find more information, try to find new funding routes, um, and just trying to figure out the best way to either do fundraising or um, also just keeping up on what's out there right now. Because I know there's a lot of toxic gases that firefighters have to deal with because of just the nature of their job. You could burn anything from a house to a chemical plant. So the fire, the, the contents of the fire can change drastically between those those places so um, and even just throwing out ideas back and forth for chemicals that they're worried about could potentially be um, you know a way to advance science and advance um, being able to help and diagnose or even treat um, future injuries absolutely and uh, you know I personally want to thank you for you know kind of opening my eyes to uh, the problem that's out there right. uh, for informing me and, and for doing all the work you're doing um, you know uh, firefighter safety is everything and um, you know if uh, your your product uh, your product is definitely identifying um, a problem uh, and a need I'm excited to see where you guys go um, you know and uh, it's great having you on and great talking with you Thank you very much for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. And once again, uh, Randy Jackson with Seacoast Science Incorporated. Please visit their website. Uh, reach out to Randy directly. Uh, if you need to get in touch with Randy, you could also reach out to us at uh, smartfirefighting.com. Uh, thanks again, Randy. I uh, hope you have a great day. I hope FDI, or, uh, FRI uh, was a great event for you here at the Innovation Group. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.